Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. He kōna e pūrangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. Hi and welcome to Eating Fried Chicken in the Shower bonus episode. I'm joined in the shower today by clinical psychologist Saab Jahal. Kia ora James. Kia ora brother. I want to talk to you about work culture because I think it's a term I've heard but I'm a solo performing artist. So I don't really know much about, even with Radio New Zealand, all I do is put on a robe, as you know, sit in the shower, but they keep me away from everyone else. <laughs> so how do we create a healthy work culture? Okay, so let's start off with a definition of culture. And work culture is a self-sustaining pattern of behaviour that basically tells you how things are done okay. within an organisation. Okay? And so these things are constantly self-renewing and they're slowly evolving. And what you can't do is to come into an organisation and say, you guys are doing these things all wrong, and I would like you to do it this way, and I'm going to slap out my values on the wall and tell you all these messages, and if you just change how you think, then everything will be different and everything will be better. That's not how it works. Right. Because that does seem to be, I think, when we read news stories or if you watch a film about they came in and they changed it, that's normally the montage, isn't it? Yeah, and that happened at Enron. Right. And we know what happened there. Yes. <laughs> so what you actually do is that you focus on behavior. Okay. And actually you act in a way that then changes your mindset rather than the other way around. So by changing small key behaviors and how you do things, then as you start to see the benefit of that, then the bigger shifts start ta taking place in terms of how people think and believe about different things in that organization. It's all based upon small changes in behavior. Is that frustrating like in terms of the speed because often we we talk about the culture needs to change but what the way small steps usually means a slower journey it depends on who's making those steps Aha. right so if you can identify key leaders key influencers within your organization and they are demonstrably physically and publicly making those changes in their behavior and people look at them as leaders within the organization and don't confuse that with people who have authority right uh -huh. these are the people right, who lead right. that people who respect and people who are connected with if they start making these changes then you would be surprised how rapidly that behavior change starts to take root within an organization the mistake is is that people talk a lot Mm. And they don't necessarily follow the talk with the action. It's the action that people pay attention to. Speaking of action, what is the appeal of sport? Because it seems to me New Zealand is a sporting nation, whether we like it or not. We throw ourselves all in. The national psyche, we always say, is tied up to sport. Like, what is it about sport that really speaks to us? That's a really interesting question. I don't think we're probably the only nation, but we do seem particularly tied into the whole sporting journey. And I will say journey because I think 
one of the giveaways here is that if you look at how sports TV, sports broadcasting has changed over the last few years, mm. you'll probably see as many shots of people's faces, the athletes' faces, as they're performing mm. or after a key event has happened, as you will as the action actually of the actual sport going on on the field or the court or wherever it's going on. It's the athlete's face because it's the emotional journey. It's the emotional right. connection that I think has become increasingly important. So we're investing part of ourselves. You know, I'm a, I'm a sports fan, so you know, I'm invested in the journey of the team. But you're saying it's actually evolved that we become invested in the, in the journey of the players as well? Absolutely. I think it's the moment-to-moment um, journey at a micro level as to like what, how this game is unfolding. Right. And that's why I think we become so um, attracted and engaged with what's going on in the field at the, at the same time. But if we look at something, you know, we can be uh, following a team that only 30 years ago mm. last won the English Premiership Championship like Liverpool have done. And suddenly all these six-year-old, seven-year-old fans who I used to uh, know at the time are suddenly like, oh, yeah, I was a Liverpool fan back in the day. It's that long, you know. So mm. people have, and they are emotionally invested, I think, in a team's journey and, and that identity as well. And I think that that goes for many New Zealanders as well in terms of how dominant sport and that conversation is. It's a way that people connect emotionally. I just want to say to you, as a Manchester, a lifelong Manchester United fan, I am deeply offended that you have dropped <laughs> Liverpool's premiership win into my podcast. That's fine, though, Saab. That's fine. Let me say, though, like as, as a, uh, I have said that as a, as a fan, and fans, I apologize for, um, or listeners, I apologize for getting so specific into the English Premier League. But if you're a fan of football, you had to like Liverpool winning this year. It was well-deserved. But the flip side of that is, of course, Manchester United lost a big, but it doesn't seem to feel as bad. I say that as a fan. And likewise, when the All Blacks lost the World Cup last year, it didn't seem to feel as bad as it had in the past. What does losing do to us mm. when we're invested in sports? Mm. I think there's an interesting lesson here um, in that if you look at what the good coaches do and how they treat wins mm. and also how they treat losses is that they tend not to make a big deal out of, you know, big winning streaks, you know, this many wins we've had in a row. Actually, what they focus on is the team's journey mm. and what they've learned and what they've developed and developing that team culture that we talked about earlier on. And I think that that's the really important thing to bear in mind with losing too. It's what can we get out of this experience? Because yes, it's binary, we win or we lose, but actually the nuance of how the game unfolded, there are often positives to be taken from that. Mm. And actually there are positives to be taken to in analysing and understanding why it is that that team lost. And then changing those behaviours rather than saying, oh, we must do this, we must do that, but changing behaviours as to how to you respond to that loss where the growth opportunity is. And then you can use that loss in a way that actually benefits and becomes part of that team's journey, just as it becomes part of the spectator's journey as well. It's the up and down emotional roller coaster that comes from being involved in sport, whether you're playing it or watching it. So basically, it's not whether you win or lose, it's how you play the game. <laughs> it totally is. <laughs> a tale as old as time, song as old as rhyme. Uh, clinical psychologist, Sajahel, thank you very much. Kia ora, James. Sure.